Welcome to the We Go Places podcast, where we catch up with WeGo grads who share with us the story of the journey to their unique careers. I'm your host, Brian Turnbaugh, English teacher at WeGo since 2001, and you just heard intro music from Andy Georgieff, class of 2022. Today, I catch up with class of 2019's Sarah Lighthizer, meteorologist at KHQA in Quincy, Illinois. Sarah will share with us how witnessing a powerful tornado touchdown in Winfield set in motion a lifetime study of weather and now shares her expertise within this tri-state area of Southern Illinois, Missouri, and Iowa. Be sure to check out the episode page where you can follow Sarah's KHQA Facebook page. Joining us from the class of 2019 is Sarah Lighthizer. Sarah, what do you do? So I currently, I just started back in June of 2023, but I am a weekend meteorologist and I also do reporting during the week at KHQA located in Quincy, Illinois. How did you begin your journey in meteorology, meteorology, if I can say that correctly? So uh, after I graduated from high school, of course, I did attend Northern Illinois University um, for four years and that's how I got my meteorology degree. The, the event that got me into meteorology occurred after I had just turned six, year, six years old. It was about two weeks after that. It was August 23rd, 2007, when we had an EF-1 tornado touchdown in Winfield, actually just south of Prince Crossing and Geneva Road. So an EF-1 tornado, these tornadoes have winds around 86 to 110 miles an hour. And this tornado did uproot a few trees in Winfield, as well as parts of West Chicago, I believe. Now, I was at the doctor's office with my family up in Bloomingdale. I remember looking outside the window as we were getting ready to go in for our appointment, and I had never seen the sky so dark in my entire life. But then again, I was only six. Uh. But still to this day, I still haven't seen the sky get, get ever that dark again. But the tornado sirens went off, and I remember, and I remember being incredibly scared the entire time. And after the doctor's appointment, we actually did have to have our neighbor break into our house because our power was out. A few days after the event, my parents actually took me and my sisters driving around town to see the uprooted trees. And I told myself, how could something that lasted for such a short period of time do this much damage? What did you do at that point? If you were just six years old, how did you keep the flame alive of your interest in, uh, in all things weather? So after that event, I started watching the Weather Channel religiously. You can talk to my parents about it. I was obsessed. I would watch it for hours on end. There would be shows such as Storm Stories that I would watch. I just wanted to learn more. I remember after the event, too, um, my family and I went to the park in the area, Red Hawk Park. Uh, I think that's in Winfield. And I met a little boy in the area who actually had told me that he had witnessed the tornado. And I just kept asking him questions the entire time. I was just so hooked on the event. So once you make your way into high school, like, did how did you begin kind of setting up uh, uh, kind of your study and aptitudes so you would be ready to go ahead and uh, go after the study of, of climate and meteorology? So... Growing up as a child, I absolutely love science, and science is a huge part of the whole meteorology program. So that was, I was totally on track with that. It was the math that was more of the issue for me. There is a lot of math in the field of meteorology. You have to take calculus one through three 
as well as differential equations, which is extremely hard to do, especially during the height of the pandemic. Huh. Um, but I worked very hard in high school to learn as much math as I possibly could. Wow. So you head off to NIU uh, and what, how did you, what's the, what's like the, the coursework like at NIU to kind of prepare you for this? So your first year you take the intro to meteorology class. It's basically a geography and climate class. And it was a really interesting class. You get to learn a bunch about history with tornadoes as well as the basics, like the levels of the atmosphere, et cetera. So you have that, you have that to do. And then it depends on where you placed in math. You're either starting out in college algebra or college trigonometry. And you're basically just starting off with your easy math classes. You don't really get into the field until your junior or senior year. I didn't really start taking those classes until my junior year because I needed calculus one as a prerequisite for a bunch of my classes. At NIU, do you get internships? Uh, how, how do you then start to kind of, because uh, you have to have the weather part, but then you also have to kind of become media savvy as well to get on camera. And it's not easy to 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 be able to read off a, a teleprompter and all the kind of media schooling that goes with that. Uh, which happened first? So actually, before I do get into that, I just want to say you're actually not reading off a teleprompter when you're doing the forecast. It's all ad lib. Oh, whoa, that's even harder. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can tell you I, how many times I mess up even reading off of my own introductory scripts for this podcast. I screw up and I'm just reading. So I can't imagine ad-libbing. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it can be a lot, especially if, there's a, if it's an active weather day. Oh, sure. But um, to go back to your question about internships and stuff. So I started school before the pandemic began, but then the pandemic took over a majority of my schooling. I did apply. I reached out to someone at WGN in Chicago for an internship, but unfortunately, they weren't offering any. So I actually didn't have any internships in college. I did three different job shadows. I did one in Milwaukee, um, and then two of them were in Rockford as well. Um, and met with meteorologist Drew Bergoyne in Milwaukee, and he actually helped me land the job with Quincy um, by helping me record a reel back in January of 2023. Oh, wow. So how how do you prepare for being on camera? I mean, I know obviously there's so much more interesting things that happen when you're kind of looking at the models for weather and all that stuff. But, you know, having the type of presence and gravitas on camera is really uh, important. How did you kind of shake your nerves? Because uh, that's not an easy thing to be on camera, knowing that you're in front of thousands of people at any given time. How did you get how did you get brave? Oh my goodness. So growing up too, I was a very shy person. People in high school can tell you all about it. I was incredibly shy. I had a lot of anxiety. But when it's you in the studio, it's just you and the camera and you just have to be yourself. It's actually, it was terrifying at first, but by seeing people in public who have told me that I'm doing a really good job, that has definitely helped me boost my confidence. And at the end of the day, how I think of it is it's just the camera that's grilling the studio. There's no, well, there are people watching me on their TVs. They're not here in the studio right now. So it's just the camera. <laughs> you graduate from NIU and you, you are in, you know, obviously like with most students of this era, really tough time. Everyone's kind of figuring out how to sort out an education during kind of those kind of COVID years. Um, you graduate. So what's then the next 
kind of move for you to kind of advance uh, in your career with this? So I actually started applying for jobs after I had recorded my, actually prior to recording my reel back in December of last year, 2022. Um, the application process, it wasn't too hard. Really, all you have to do is send an email out to the news director to let them know that you're interested and then upload your reel. Um, I had a few stations. I did get denied from a few stations at first. So yeah, I did start applying for jobs back in December of 2022 because I did want to make sure that I had something lined up after graduation. I love my parents, but I didn't really want to live back at home. I wanted my own place. I wanted that freedom that I had back in college. Um, so like I said, I did start applying back in December of 2022 to a few stations. And really the application process, I sent emails to news directors and then I also uploaded my reel with a few comments on it, just explaining stuff that I'm interested in and see, to see if that was a good fit. And while I did get denied from a few stations, KHQA actually got back to me, I believe it was in April. So I've had that job lined up since April and I graduated in May. How exciting. So you they give you uh, the call to to, uh, to to join them. So what was that like? So you you moved down there in April. And uh, how soon were you then on camera? So I actually um, negotiated with them and I moved down there in the middle of June because I wanted to have a month after graduation to get my finances together to move down there. Um, moving down there, it's a little bit scary because you're five hours away from home in a completely different part of Illinois. Like It's so much different. Our biggest story that we had in Quincy when I moved down there was the fact that we were getting a Target. Huh. And we have so many Targets back home, so I thought it was absolutely insane. Um, but it is a really nice town to live in. Moving down there, I didn't have a U-Haul or anything, so I was sleeping on an air mattress every single night for three months straight. I finally do have a bed now. Um, kudos to my boss. But I had to buy a lot of things for my apartment because I wasn't able to fit stuff into my car to bring down. So yeah, so you started on camera in, in June then? Uh, July. So I, I was sorry, I, t I completely forgot that was part of the question. That's so good. Um, but yes, I started on camera back in July. The exact date was July 7th. 7 actually is a very important number, I feel like, for everything. It's the station number, because um, we're channel 7. And then I started on July 7th. And I personally, 7 has always been my favorite number growing up. So I yeah. What's a typical day like for you uh, at the station? So it depends on if I'm reporting or if I'm doing the weather. So usually when I'm doing the weather, I come in at 2 o'clock. On Saturdays, we have a 6 p.m. and a 10 p.m. show. And then on Sundays, we have a 5 p.m. and a 10 p.m. So I usually come in at 2, listen to some tunes while I'm forecasting, reading the area forecast discussion. Every National Weather Service puts out a little discussion of what's going on in the atmosphere. So I read that first, and I go over in the models and current conditions of what's going on to see what they're saying. And I apply that to my forecast. The forecasting worksheet's actually pretty cool to have. You have um, what's printed on there is tonight and tomorrow. You have blank spaces to write stuff on for that. And then you have the blank seven day forecast as well. So you can write stuff on there as well. Um, but I write down a bunch of notes of what I think is going to happen on that forecasting worksheet. And then after I am done forecasting, 
I have to upload my forecast onto our computer software. It's called WSI Max. And you upload it, you have to type in all the numbers for your forecast to make sure you're writing mostly cloudy or partly cloudy or sunny, whatever the weather is supposed to be that day. And you also have to put temperatures down for the next 48 hours for every single hour. So that way it's also in there as well. And then after I'm done with that, I go over to our website and I upload the forecast onto our website too. And then I write a little story for the viewers of what we can expect. And then basically after that, it's just getting my graphics together for the show. I love using different little fun graphics to get the audience engaged. Um, on Saturdays, I've actually implemented this thing where I do Spotlight Saturdays. So I take viewer photos and I show them during our 6 p.m. newscast. And then on Sunday, to make it even more fun, I do weather trivia. So the viewers get to chime in on what answers they think. So I have a question, say like, what was the hottest temperature ever recorded in Quincy for the month of September? I believe that was one I did last month. And viewers can text in their answers on our Facebook page or even my Facebook page do. And I think it's a wonderful idea because then I get to learn more about weather and keep my mind engaged. And they also get to learn more as well. It's so it's so interesting because you you know you're talking about all the technology that you're using as well and uh, but also the social media presence. Um, it, it's probably something that that wasn't even anyone's radar. <laughs> no pun intended. You know, with with uh, with meteorologists, but now it's a really important part of engaging with an audience and all that. How do you? What are some other ways that you kind of uh, engage them uh, online with your uh, social media presence? So every single day, I didn't realize how big social media presence was until I got into the field. But the thing is, though, is that I do have previous social media experience. I was actually on the executive board for our NIU student chapter of the American Meteorological Society, and I was the social media person. So I do have some prior experience. But with my graphics, I do have to upload them on socials, and it's a goal to have at least three to six posts a day on every single social, so like Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, and then I also do post what I do from time to time in my personal life. Today, for example, I did go up to a city in Missouri, and I went hiking, so I posted that on my Facebook page. And viewers love when you're personal because you can they can relate to you more. You said that you also do some reporting during the week as well. What are some of the your favorite stories that you've been able to report on? There are so many different local events. I absolutely... Sometimes, reporting is a hate-love relationship, if I'm being honest, because some days there aren't really many stories to report on. And then other days you're, you have an entire inbox full of emails with press releases that you can report on. But if I did have to pick... It would probably be one of the local events, um, one of the local annual events. A lot of people around here, they absolutely love history. And there's so many different types of, there's so much history behind many of the events in the area. Um, I did a story on a watermelon festival that has been around. It's been almost 80 years that it's been around. And it was such a fun story getting to learn about the history behind it. Um, I'm trying to think. I did another story this past week. It was on, hold on one second. Ah, yes. This was, so this wasn't an, an actual event, but up in Iowa, Keel, it's called Keelcuck, Iowa. 
Um, it's in the Iowa portion of our viewing area. We have three different states in our viewing area, Illinois, Iowa, and Missouri. Um, Iowa is the very northern tier of our area. But I went up to Iowa, I believe it was on Tuesday, because they were displaying a hydroelectric turbine into their town center. So you have three states that you are uh, covering. Yeah. Wow. Now, uh, would you say that kind of describe for me like the the that 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 area? So you have Iowa, you have Missouri, and then you have um, uh, Illinois. You're not you haven't been there long enough to start referring to it as Missouri though yet, right? So that, that hasn't happened. No, I have. I don't call it that yet. No. Uh, what what's the, what's uh, Quincy like? Describe it for people who may not know that part of the state. So it's about just a little bit bigger than Carroll Stream. Um, it's a nice little place. It's very it's very German like. We I believe are a sister city with a city in Germany. Yeah. Um, it's also a very religious area as well. Lots of things are closed on Sundays, from what I've experienced. So if you have any shopping today, you can't do it on Sundays. <laughs> But it is a very cute place to live. I absolutely love exploring it whenever I can because there's always something new that you learn about it every single time. Just another story about like when they have you reporting, you said you, you kind of get, how do you get the directive? Uh, is that something from the producer it says, you know, Sarah, I need you to chase this down. What what kind of autonomy as a reporter do you have? Or, and, and what do you know to chase down? And, and when do you know to kind of, are you free to kind of explore a, a story or a scoop? My boss loves when I come in with, so we're, okay, so hold on, let me rephrase this. So every day I come into work, I have to have at least two different pitches or ideas that I would like to report on. Sometimes it's very hard and I have to ask for help because there's not much going around in the area. But when that does happen, my boss usually helps me out with story ideas and they're really usually pretty fun, but most of the time it is up to me to figure out my own stories. And most of the time my story ideas do get approved too. When you're working with the the weather technology, it, do you have one particular software or program that is like, it's, it, it's like a toy and you just love, play, you love exploring its, its power and its capacity? What's your favorite thing to work with? So we, I believe we only do have one thing of software. Um, there is a website to download weather graphics. I absolutely love playing with the weather graphics though, because they're so fun and so interactive. Um, I know a recent one that I used was the pumpkin patch forecast huh. and just the design is beautiful on it and it, it is amazing to use. If that answers your question. Oh yeah, for sure. So do you, just kind of stepping back and, and thinking about, like you said that a very formative experience was obviously that that incredible, powerful microburst uh, that you saw when you were so young. Are, are there what are some other kind of weather related phenomenon that is just, you know, still leaves you enchanted? So I absolutely love tornadoes. I've been in fact, I've been fascinated with them. They are my favorite weather phenomenon. But ever since that I have been doing live coverage on TV, I've broken in to do that once um, back in August. It terrified me a little bit. So I am still a fan of tornadoes, but I don't want them anywhere near me anymore. But other than tornadoes, I would have to say I love... Um, hold on. Besides tornadoes, 
I absolutely love seeing rainbows. We've had a bunch of rainbows over the Quincy area since I've been here. Uh, we had a derecho actually move in uh, across the area. I believe it was a week after I started. And that was a really cool event to witness firsthand with all the warnings that popped up with it. I didn't have to do anything. I just got to sit back and watch. If I could give you like a, a plane ticket to go anywhere to observe weather in your, you know, in your element where you're like, oh, that would be really cool to watch this. Uh, what would you be looking, where would you go and what would you be uh, looking at? Two ideas come to mind when you ask me that. The first one was the Northern Lights. I know we had some possible sightings um, last week, actually. Wow. Um, I absolutely love the Northern Lights. So if I can get a plane to get to Alaska at some point and see the Northern Lights, that would be amazing. Or the other place I would want to go is in the heart of Oklahoma during tornado season. So, Sarah, where do you see yourself maybe in five, ten years? I would absolutely love to come back into the northern portion of the state. I I would love to. That's why I chose Quincy, too, because it is, well, it is five hours away. It still is in state, and it still is a doable drive in a day to get back home. I would absolutely love to stay in state, but if I get an offer that's not in state and they really do want me, I would not be opposed to go somewhere else, too. Yeah, that's exciting. Well, Sarah, this has been so great hearing about you know what you do uh and i always like ending the interview with uh, a question about tips for success that you would give current wildcats what would you tell them i would say um i just had it and then i lost it jesus um i would say that if you are passionate about something go for it don't be afraid to hold back I know when I was in high school, I was a little bit nervous about doing new things, but once I did them, I did feel better and you just have to chase your passion. Well, Sarah, thank you so much and uh, I best of luck and we'll be looking for you uh, on, the, on the news. We'll have all of your links and people can follow you on Facebook and, uh, and all that. So thank you so much. Thank you again for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Do us a favor and spread the word about We Go Places by sharing our interviews with other Wildcats. If you want to search past episodes or stay current, subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere where you can get your podcasts. Just search We Go Places. You can follow We Go Places on our Facebook page as well, and also Twitter at We Go Places Podcast. And if you know a former Wildcat who would be a great guest, send me a direct message on Facebook, Twitter, or by school email at, at bturnbow at d94.org.